We continue <clears throat> this morning in faith and discipline, and uh, I'll go through the brief outline again that we began the year in the disciplines of our faith, and then we looked at Ecclesiastes, and, and really what I keep referring to as a bad example of faith because Solomon started out well and then wandered off the, the path a little bit, and, uh, and then we looked at Romans, which gives a good definition and, and sort of anchors our identity uh, in Christ and our faith, and now we've been looking at Hebrews, and really I think the... Uh, 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 to me, it seems that the overwhelming outline of Hebrews is really about the object of our faith, which is Jesus himself. And so uh, as I was looking at the book of Hebrews and kind of, and we're coming to the end of it, we've got today and then we've got the, the message two weeks from now, which I need to let you know, next Sunday is Christmas Music Sunday in all four worship gatherings. We're going to do Christmas music in all four worship gatherings. The choir is going to be sharing. Some of the kids are going to be singing with the choir at times. And so at 8, 10, 9, 25, 10, 40, and 11, 50, it's just going to be Christmas music next Sunday morning. So I invite you to bring friends, all that kind of thing. Just come and enjoy the Enjoy the season, but enjoy the worship of the season, all righty? And as we celebrate um, what God's done on our behalf. But looking back over Hebrews, it, it made me ask this question, why do we do what we do? Right? I mean, why? Greg, what are you going to do today after you finish here? Going to go see your kids? Why? To visit with them? Okay, so you're going to visit with your kids. Hmm. Okay, so that's pretty good activity to be involved in. So, you know, we start, if, if we take a minute to examine why we do the things we do, uh, we do those things that on some uh, sort of graded scale are important to us, right? We do the things that, 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 that have risen to a, a level of, of, of priority for us. Some people, when I say, why do you do things, they say, because well, I always have, right? How many of you do stuff like that sometimes? Why do you do that? Because I always have. Always reminds me. I remember this preacher telling this joke, so I'll tell it to you. I don't know if it was a real life joke or not, but he was talking about this this young couple had just gotten married and and they were getting ready to have their first Sunday dinner together. So the wife thought she's going to make a a meal like her mama made, and so she got out the pan and she got the ham and she cut off both ends of the ham and she stuck it in the pan and put it in the oven. And her husband said to her, said, what, what, what's all that? I mean, why you cut the ham and all that kind of stuff? She said, well, I don't know. My mama always did that. So that's the way I do it. So she called her mama. She said, mama, I said, why don't we always cut the ends off the ham? She said, well, I don't know. Uh, my mama always did it that way. So I always did it that way. She said, let me call mama and see. So mama calls grandma and says, grandma, why, or mama, why, why, why do we always cut the ends off the ham before we put it in the oven? She said, because I didn't have a pan big enough for the whole ham. <laughs> See, sometimes we don't know why we do the things we do. We don't understand why they've become a priority for us. Listen to these verses beginning in verse 14 of Hebrews 12. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. 
Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. And make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he rejected even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. For you have not come to what could be touched to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Instead, You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven to a judge who is God of all to the spirits of righteous people made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. Mm. it's a great passage for for Christmas I was going to say Easter it's a great passage for Easter and Christmas pray with me Father thank you thank you that you have shown us what's important God that as we live our lives as we conduct ourselves as we make choices as we, we hold certain attitudes and the actions of who we are God our lives are supposed to point to our Savior our Lord. God, our lives are supposed to give testimony of what you have accomplished in us. God, what you desire to accomplish through us, which it even mentions, mentions that without certain things, there are those who will never hear of your love, the gospel, the, the message of salvation, redemption. And yes, even at a season of the year like this, won't know what Christmas really is means so god i thank you i thank you for this passage i pray god that we get a little bit of understanding as we take a look at it in jesus name amen it's interesting how certain activities become habits they become habitual Uh, even within the body of christ and throughout uh faith practices all over the world even beyond christianity there are certain things that actually begin to take this position of ritualism this idea of doing things we do this we do this we do this and on many occasions you ask people why they do it you'll get the answer i don't know it's what i was taught it's what i saw Right? And, and, and if you start digging in behind the, the ritual activities that are going on, you start to find out that, that there is no faith behind some of those ritualistic activities. You know, that, 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 that there's no understanding, there's no belief. And so, so when we look at a passage like this and we see the writer of Hebrews encouraging us in our lives to engage in certain behaviors, pursue peace with everyone. Wait a minute, there's some people I want to fight. There's some issues that I want to get hot about. There's some social media that I want to write a scathing comment to. Right? And yet, 
by inspiration of God, I've been told to pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Holiness, man. Pursue. Wait a minute. If if holiness, now here's here's the caveat that we all throw out to all Christians. Well, uh, God said, "Be holy as I am holy," but I can't. I'm only human. Well, well, if it's an impossibility to be holy, is it also an impossibility for us to pursue holiness? Obviously not, or God wouldn't have commanded it. So we're supposed to pursue holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. How are people going to see the holy and righteousness of God unless his people are living out holiness and righteousness? If we're engaging in the world, with the world, like the world, then what's the difference between us and the world? Right? See, these are challenges for us, y'all. This is this is a call to 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 a you know. There's a song, Higher Ground. I, I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. You know, to walk on a higher plane, to walk above the fray, above the <clears throat> the muck that we see around us in the world. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble and defiling many. He's talking about this this, this sort of, this kind of dissension that gives bad testimony of what God's accomplished in us. And I look around and I, I talk about it all the time because guess what I know now? When I was young in the ministry, it was really interesting. I'd go to preacher gatherings. I'd be the youngest one in the room. I was like a kid walking in the room. Guess what? When I go to preacher gatherings now, guess what I am? Not one of the youngest ones in the room. I walk in now. I mean, even our own rooms here. I walk in with Nick and Kyle and all them sitting in the room. And I'm going, man, whew, where did time go? Right, Scott? Man, you just look around and go, what happened? Right? But what he's talking about is the kind of, I look at the world around us, I look at the body of Christ around us, and I see this, this, this sort of uh, unmentioned animosity. And it really grows out of what I believe is a Western idea of this competitive spirit. That we want to be better than you, that we want to be something you're not, that we want to... We, and that grows up, and in the world, the unbelieving, the lost, the dying will look at the body of Christ and say, why would I want to be what you are? You can't even get along with the other people like you. And yet we're encouraged, pursue peace with everyone. And then he goes on to mention Esau. And this is an interesting little thing to look at. Make sure that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau all right so from abraham to jesus approximately two thousand years okay think about it just somewhere just a little less than two thousand years from abraham to esau i mean abraham to jesus from jesus to us two thousand this years right think about it all right so so when we consider what we engage in today why do we do what we do and what pattern of priority was developed going back to what grandma 
and the ham? No. Going back to what Christians stand up and 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 devote and 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 give themselves to as a message of our love and worship to God, but also as a message of our priority to a lost, dead, and dying world. Do people see Jesus in you, in your choices? in the life you lead, in the love you share, in the peace you engage in, in the holiness that you seek to live out. What was Esau? (laughs) Esau was pretty self-serving if you want to consider the illustration that the writer of Hebrews has given us here. Man, I'm hungry. I want some of that stew. What was he more? He wasn't concerned about longevity or the end or the message going forth. Because here, here we are, two thousand years later. The writer of Hebrews is writing about Esau's bad choices, his bad behavior. Because even after he sold his birthright to his brother for a bowl of stew, he came back in tears and wanted his birthright, but it was not to be had. That's what he says right there. He says, and make sure there isn't any immoral, irreverent person like Esau who sold his birthright in exchange for a single meal. What is that? Instant gratification. And folks, that is the world we live in. I want it now. You've seen me do that little petulant child thing. I want what I want when I want it. Right? That's what it's talking about there. It says, for you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought it with tears because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance. The writer goes on to say, for you've not come to what could be touched to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to the blast of a trumpet, and the sound of words, those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. So so the writer of Hebrew is writing to who? Hebrew people, right? He's writing to, to believers uh, who have trusted Christ. He's writing to, to Hebrew people who have not yet trusted Christ. He's saying, look, he said, where we are today is not where we've come from. It's not where we were. It's not, it, we're not practicing our faith the way our forefathers and our fathers practiced their faith. They're not standing at the foot of Mount Sinai with the lightning and the storm and the fire. And, and, ah! Sorry. I just, I just think sometimes, you know, if you're camped out at the foot of the mountain and all of a sudden God shows up on the mountain and Moses went up there to talk to God, I'm like, Ooh, you know, that's what he's saying. He said, look, that's not who we are. You haven't come to the, to the holy mountain of God in fear and trembling and fright and run away. And, and, and our God, now, obviously God hasn't changed. God is still holiness and righteousness and power and might see the appearance was so terrifying that moses even said i am trembling with fear and then verses 22 23 and 24 y'all wow instead you've come to mount zion the city of promise mountain of promise 
to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And look at this, to myriads of angels, a festive gathering. Don't I love that the translation uses the word gathering? You see, the picture that the Hebrew writer is painting for us is, is that coming out of Judaism, coming out of the, the Hebrew worship and practice that is based, quite honestly, folks, it's based on fear. It's based on, he paints that picture in the image of the mountain and, and the retribution of a holy God. Now, get this, in place and time, it was important that God's people would understand who their God was and is. It was important for them to know the holiness of God and that as they were making this journey through the wilderness, God was shaping them into a nation. They were a people. They were, they were a multitude of people coming out of Egypt and God was shaping their identity as a worship community around the holiness of God around the, the redemption of God around the fact that, that God splits the sea to let you walk through the fact that God feeds you when you're hungry the fact that God provides water when you're thirsty this is our God honor Him respect Him fear Him and the writer is calling to the Hebrew people to come out of the fear into the fellowship of celebration because Jesus is the superior Messiah, prophet. His, his communication is higher than all other communication to date. That's what Hebrews, that's what the book of Hebrews teaches us. That the priesthood of Jesus after the order of Melchizedek is, is the higher priesthood, the highest priesthood. And so by that priesthood, we have, we have been given entrance into the presence of our Creator. And so, so we pursue the presence of God in our lives. All those years ago when... when, when Sometimes I hesitate to tell these stories and I look around the room to, to just, uh, Harold, I think you and Martha are it as I look around the room. Oh no, Sherry. Sherry's right there too. Kevin, your sister was here back then too. But I remember Harold was on the committee back in 2009 that uh, called me and said, we're looking for a pastor. And... Uh, and we were talking about how we do what we do. So that's why I asked the question, why do you do what you do? What makes it important that you do it? And we came into this room, and, and some of you remember the pews. There was a little section here and a little section there and a wide section in the middle, right? And the pews that went back like that. And, and, uh, and we came in to worship together. And when I got here, uh, they asked me, they said, you want to lead the choir too? I was like, okay, lead the choir and preach, and and Peggy was on the piano over there, and 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 they said, well, you you lead the hymns too, and the choir too, and 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 well, you might as well preach since you're here. Right. And I began to consider, I why, why the things that we're doing, what that we're doing 
first of all, honors God. I'm not saying we weren't honoring God. We were singing hymns. We were, we were singing scriptural, biblical songs. And, and, and I undertook to preach the word of God. But you know what? There wasn't many people here. And I remember, because this is this I that's why I love these three words, a festive gathering. I remember making a statement. I don't know where it says in the Bible that worship is supposed to be boring. That offends some of you. So I started saying this, and I got confronted several times for saying this. I said, look, if you didn't have fun this morning, I don't blame you for not coming back. <laughs> and I remember this guy came up to me, and he goes, do you really think worship should be fun? And I went, do you think it shouldn't? You see, this is supposed to be a festive gathering. Man, we're here to celebrate the goodness of God. We're here to acknowledge that God has done what, what nothing else, no one else, nothing. we couldn't be who we are apart from the holiness, righteousness, and love of God in our lives. And we're supposed to go out from this place with an excitement and a joy and a festive heart so that a lost, dying, dead world understands we got something they don't have. <sighs> Thank you. Verse 23, to the assembly of the firstborn. He's hearkening back to who they are as the Hebrew people, the, the Jewish people, the, the, the people that God not only chose from one man, but made from one man. To the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to a judge who is God of all. Yes, he's still righteous, holy, and should be feared and revered to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Now understand, it's the Hebrew people that he's writing to. You guys understand ad infinitum, the old covenant. But what you don't understand is that there's a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood. Now listen to this. This is which says better things than the blood of Abel. Let's get a... Get, what's, he, what's he referring to right there? Remember what God said to Cain? The blood of your brother calls out to me from the earth. Why are you here? I love it that you're here. Don't hear. Don't, don't, don't. Please don't hear me saying don't be here. Okay? I love it that you're here. I love it that we get to gather. People are asking me questions that I haven't been. I mean, I, I had a couple just, they've been worshiping with us for months and months and months and months. And they came to me and they said, how do we be members? Now, understand, they're a little older than I am. It's just not something I talk about. You know why? Because when we gather in this place, guess what? We're going we're gonna to exalt the name of Jesus. 
We're going to talk about who we are in Christ. We're going to talk about what it means to live our faith and our testimony out there in that lost and dying world. I want folks to go out of here encouraged. I want folks to go out of here just enthused about being who God made us to be. Right? That, that, that's where the world's going to see in you. Now, uh, guess what? Somebody out there in that lost dying world might come up to you and go, what church are you a member of? You think? Do, do, do you think that's really the priority question somebody's going to ask you? I'm afraid not. I'm sorry. I'm not against church membership. Uh, I'm not against, you know, anyway. It's just not the priority. I think it's important. I think it's good to identify with the local congregation, a local body of Christ. But folks, I got 30 minutes each hour on Sunday morning to, to, to take the Word of God and encourage people with it. And quite honestly, it's tough for me to go, oh, and by the way, if you want to be members, so I want to encourage you with this. Because our and that's the point of the message. The first point of the message is, is our pursuit. What is it that, that, that you're going after? Are, are, are you running toward this festive gathering, this assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven? To, to, to this Mount Zion, this city of the living God, to Jesus, this mediator of this new covenant. Are we running to Jesus every day? Because I'll tell you what I was taught as a kid, run to church. Because my grandma lived down the street and it was just a walk. And they'd say, why don't you run on up to the church, right? I'm glad I had that in my history. But folks, what we need to be running to is our Savior. We need to be running to Jesus. The world needs to see you running to Jesus. Not the gathering not to some pastor who yells at you for 30 minutes. Okay? <clears throat> what do we receive? We receive life. We receive this new covenant, this redemption, this regeneration, this, this inclusion into the family of God. <clears throat> and in our city, all right, so I use that last point right there for a reason. Obviously, this passage talks about the city. How does it word it? It says the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. Yeah, we, we don't get to reach out and, and touch the heavenly Jerusalem, except that as residents of the heavenly Jerusalem, we can shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, and maybe smile at them. See, this is heavenly Jerusalem on earth. Because we get to be God's people, God's family. This is what we have. This is what God's given us, y'all. <clears throat> what do you have? Right? Well, what is it that you have? Why, why, why do we do the things we do? You see? Boy, I, I am so thrilled that, that, that I, was, I was raised in a Christian home. 
And my mother and father were godly individuals who, who, who assembled us around the bed at night to pray. I am grateful for that. I am grateful that that, that was a, that was a, a practice. It, it became habitual for us as a family. Right? To, to, to gather as, as mom, dad, brother, sister to pray together. It became ritual. But you know what? <laughs> it was always explained why. Because we get to have a conversation with our Creator who loves us and loved us enough to save us through the shed blood of Christ, that sprinkled blood, which speaks a whole lot more than the blood of Abel. See, the world needs what we have. Your friends need what you have. If you know Jesus, that's what they need. You probably know people that don't know Jesus. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, you've never trusted Him for forgiveness and salvation, the redemption that He's provided for us, you need that this morning. And when you leave here, I'd be willing to bet that before lunchtime today, you're going to run into somebody who needs Jesus. Will they see something in you that prompts them, motivates them to say, what do you have that I don't have? If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus today. If you know Him, but like I say, the world offers plenty of distractions. Sometimes we can get caught in those distractions. Maybe you do want to be a part of what God's doing here at the gathering. Members. Here's what I want you to do. As we get ready to pray in a minute, you ask God, what God wants you to do. <clears throat> if you want to be a member, if you want the membership thing, then when we start singing this last song, you come out here and talk to me. That's what people ask me a lot of times. Say, well, we want to be members. We don't know how. Well, first thing is, you come down here and talk to me. We'll talk about it, okay? Maybe as a Christian, you know your life doesn't reflect your faith. The choices you're making, the things you do, do not point other people to Jesus. You know what? You don't have to talk to me about that. You can have that conversation with Jesus Himself. You can ask His forgiveness. You can ask that He refine who you are. If you don't know Jesus, you step on out. Come down here. We want to introduce you to Jesus. Pray with me. Father, thank You for today. Thank You that You have loved us Matter of fact, we're told and taught that you loved us first. And so, God, we are called. But more than that, God, we want to love you back. And God, the way we do that is to worship you and celebrate you. But, but even more, that we love each other and that we show love to each other in a way uncommon in the world that the world doesn't see. 
God, I thank you that you teach us by your word, by your spirit. So God, my prayer would be that we've learned something of you this morning and that we respond. Thank you, God, that we get to sing. (laughs) We get to sing again. God, help us to praise you, but help us to do what you've told us to do. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.